Hello, everybody. Today's guest on the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle, comedian and long-suffering American sports fan, Barrick Larwood. Yes, come on in. Welcome to another edition of the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle. Last week, we had Everton USA's David Kurtz and Marshall Lamb on. It was a really fun show to make. Today, switching things up a little with the comedian, Marek Larwood, very funny guy, who follows three very opposing teams, uh, the most interesting combination, if you want to put it that way, of teams you've ever seen supported. In the NFL, Marek's a Detroit Lions fan. In the MLB, it's the Dodgers, which is okay. They've done all right this season. They got to the NLCS. And the final one, if you're choosing an NBA team recently, I wouldn't say the Philadelphia 76ers are a good choice, but that's the one Marek took, so we'll get to him later on in the show. We'll also talk some comedy with him, um, what he's done in the past and what he's doing now on YouTube. But first, as I do every week, my four takeaways from the last week in America. And as this is a US sports show, I will not be getting into the fact that Donald Trump is the new president of the United States. I will leave the podcast and the news articles that do that news justice. But my first take today, where did the San Diego Chargers go next? After 15 years of working to get a stadium built in San Diego, the Chargers found out this week that it's a resounding no at the moment. Approximately 85% of ballots were counted on Tuesday this week. The Chargers only received 42.5% of the approval. The approval of what, you ask? Well, the team's $1.8 billion downtown stadium, and they were going to have a convention center annex there as well. How are they going to do it? They were going to raise hotel tax from 12.5% to 16.5%. They needed $1.15 billion in bonds to help pay for this project. So, Chargers chairman Dean Spanos, who has sent out a letter... So the fans essentially saying that he does not know where the intentions lie moving forward. He said in terms of what comes next for the Chargers, it's just too early to give you an answer. Let me tell you this. I do not want two teams in Los Angeles. Right now, the Rams project is going well. They haven't even moved into their new stadium yet. They'll play at the Coliseum until the 2019 season. I don't think it can work. Because the Ra- for, for however how bad the Rams are, and, the, and you can get into the whole Jared Goff story and why they haven't played him yet. Is he good enough? Did they make a big mistake in the draft? But the Rams and the, a losing Rams team is enough right now for LA. The Chargers, t- if the Chargers move to LA, the fans they get, and they're going to need to fill the, the new stadium every single week, 80,000 or so people, they're going to be second-handers. Most people will will have gone towards the Rams they're going to have three years head start. So if the Chargers go to LA, what's to say it'll work? LA football didn't work before. That's why I had to leave. And you're going to have two teams there now? I know the NFL want to play Super Bowls there. I know they're going to have the NFL Network Studios based at the new stadium. But come on. Let's be fair. The NFL have supported San Diego. They want them to stay in San Diego. And I want to see them stay there. They've got a deal in place. So the Chargers, this is where it gets sticky. Um, up to January the 15th, they can decide whether they want to join the Rams in LA. That's what we're waiting on right now. Are they going to try and develop Qualcomm Stadium, one of the most banged up stadiums in the league? Will they resolve this whole issue? It's a no at the moment. Can they re- Can they move and get a new stadium? At the moment, the city's saying no. Oakland, they could move south if uh, San Diego don't. But Oakland are being linked with Las Vegas, which makes a lot of sense. Here in London, we talk about a franchise and... And whether it's a good thing in the States and the NFL, 
Las Vegas makes a ton of sense. Oakland share that stadium, the Coliseum, with the baseball team, the athletics. It's an ugly stadium. Raider Nation travels a long way. But in terms of making money, I think Oakland are the only team in the NFL who don't make money on a weekly basis. How crazy is that? In today's NFL, you've got a team that do not make money. So Las Vegas makes a ton of sense. You can turn that arena into a multi-complex place where other teams play. Hockey could move to Las Vegas. You could have events there. People go on holiday there. It just makes a lot of sense. And look, this, this is a clear sign right now that San Diego isn't all in for football. You've heard Philip Rivers say it would be really weird to have no NFL team in this city. We're going to definitely revisit this, though. I think there's going to be more to this story going forward. But for now, the future of the NFL in San Diego is very much in question. Second on the agenda, can we buy into the LA Lakers? Are we jumping back on the bandwagon of the LA Lakers? Such a storied franchise so far this season, and they are 4-4. Four and four. They have beaten the Houston Rockets. They have gone on the road and beaten the Atlanta Hawks. They have beaten the Golden State Warriors by 20. Steve Kerr said it was the annual beatdown for the Warriors at Staples Center. And they've beaten the Phoenix Suns at home. Now, Luke Walton comes in, and this is a completely new franchise. It really is. Only one coach remains from the previous regime, and that's pretty much it. Gary Vitti, the athletic director, he's gone. He was there for 32 seasons. He won eight championships with the Lakers. Him and Kobe, off they go last season. And a new coach, Luke Walton, who has given this team... A, a confidence, a swagger. You cannot mimic Golden State Warriors' system where Luke Walton was coming from as an assistant because you do not have the personnel. But you can play in a similar style. And that's what Luke Walton has tried to do with this Lakers team. No player I don't think has benefited more than Julius Randle, who looks like he's channeling Draymond Green. He's big. He can score down low. He can rebound. He can pass. D'Angelo Russell looks more confident. Larry Nance Jr. is the dunker of the year at the moment. They were getting so many clear dunks against the Warriors. Brandon Ingram is getting his minutes and he's being tuned in slowly. But Luke Walton is, is making sure that every player on that team is accountable. When he, when he speaks in his press conferences after games, he mentions the players that need to do more. He doesn't say, well, we're a young team, there's still a long way to go, because that's what Byron Scott did. That's what Mike D'Antoni did. No, Luke Walton is holding his players accountable and saying what, he needs to, what they need to improve on and quickly. And I think that's why he is on the way to becoming a good coach, a very good coach. Jim Buss, Vice President of Operations, uh, he has said said that he will be out of the window. If he if the Lakers don't get back to contention, he'll leave at the end of this season. So there is a pressure on their Lakers. But one thing I would say uh, between the, the two biggest media markets in the States, New York and the Lakers, uh, sorry, the Knicks and the Lakers, is that the Knicks have brought in Rose, Noah, Jennings, Courtney Lee to win now. Phil Jackson is on a, a short leash here, whereas the Lakers... And the fans will be especially happy because they want to just see improvement on the, on the court and in their team. It doesn't have to be win this season for Luke Walton and his team. Kobe Bryant, they gave him a lot of money the last two years of his contract, essentially saying to Laker fans, come out and watch Kobe play because there's not going to be a lot of winning here. We're going to sell tickets because of Kobe. He's finally gone and it just seems like there's some progression because of that. Because of his exit and the players having that freedom to... Try new things. Don't have to think about, well, where's Kobe? I've got to get it to Kobe. It's the last 10 seconds of the shot clock. No, Lakers look like they're improving. They're 4-4 four and four as I speak. Just need to keep competing in games and playing more and more like an exciting young team 
in Luke Walters in Luke Walton style. So I like what I see right now, and maybe you get a lot of Clippers fans jump back to the Lakers in the next couple of seasons. Number three on the list today, and my question for you guys out there: How many teams in the NFL are genuine Super Bowl contenders right now? Just think about it for a second, because we've talked about the ratings on this podcast. We've talked about the lack of star power. And all of this goes back to how many genuine Super Bowl teams are there? Because for me, I only see three. I see the Patriots at 7-1. and one. I see the Dallas Cowboys with the same record at 7-1. and one. And I also see the Seattle Seahawks 5-2-1 and two and one with that tie against Arizona. If you go down the list in the standings, here are the top teams for the teams I haven't mentioned, because Seattle, Dallas, and New England are topping their respective divisions. You've got the Atlanta Falcons at 6-3 and three in the NFC South. Do you take them seriously? Had a great start last season. I think they started 5-0, and oh, and they were below 500 to finish the season. They didn't make the postseason. And then you've got the Minnesota Vikings, top of the NFC North, 5-3. and three. They've lost their last three straight. Funny how things change in the NFL. You had North Turner resign from a 5-2 and two Vikings team. Maybe he knew what he was doing. <laughs> maybe he thought, well, look, I should have Mike Zimmer's job. I should be the head coach here. Sam Bradford, maybe he isn't, he isn't a miracle worker. You could probably argue that the Detroit Lions are the best team in the NFC North, but we don't take them seriously because like Atlanta, they fool us. They trick us and then they don't produce at the end. Green Bay is suffering as well. Then you look to the AFC. Pats, I mentioned in the AFC East, but in the West, you've got the Raiders. Great story. Great story. They were on a lot of people's list this year to take that big next step. Jack Del Rio takes the plunge in week one at New Orleans. They go for it. Uh, they go for the two-point conversion. I think their momentum and their confidence and their swagger has gone on from there. But do you take them as a Super Bowl contender right now? They haven't been to the playoffs, I think, since 2003. Oakland, for me, are a playoff team, not a Super Bowl team just yet. But the West is where it's interesting in the AFC because you've got the Chiefs and the Broncos. Chiefs 6-2, and two. and I think there was a stat they won something like 60 in the last 21 games. Kansas City are a good team, but are you going to the Super Bowl with Alex Smith or Nick Foles as your quarterback? The Broncos, 6-3, and three. Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, great defense, great defense. And everyone was saying how smart um, John Elway was to not pay Brock Osweiler the big money and give Trevor Simeon a go. And yeah, okay, he's right. But after the start they made, he looked like a genius. Now, we're starting to ask the question, can you actually go too far with Trevor Simeon? Do you still need a quarterback, no matter how good your defense is? In the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens and the Steelers are tied atop the North. The Ravens have the tiebreaker. They beat the Steelers last week. They're both 4-4. Four and four. The Ravens were on their way to losing five straight before they beat Pittsburgh. Is that a Super Bowl team? Pittsburgh Steelers, they have too good of an offense not to be this inconsistent, but they still find way to, ways to lose. They got beat badly by Philadelphia on the road, and they lost to the Ravens here. And finally, the AFC South, which, which should we even talk about? The Colts go and beat the Packers at Lambeau Field to move to 4-5. and five. The Texans are top 5-3. and three. Brock Osweiler, he thought he had a chance. He thought he should have had a chance to take the Broncos to the Super Bowl last season. Well, he might be able to do that with the Texans, but I doubt it. Um, so that's what I mean. If you look around the NFL at the moment, lack of stars, lack of ratings, but also lack of genuine super teams. And it just feels like New England are on their own little island, their own pedestal right now, and everyone else is looking up. So it's same old, same old in the NFL in that respect, but very different 
in terms of looking at five or six or seven teams that could possibly win the Super Bowl. I don't think it quite looks like that right now. And finally, on my top four storyline, Steph Curry reminded everyone he is still the best shooter in the league. 13 three-pointers in one game he made against the New Orleans Pelicans, who are still winless in the NBA. The funny thing about this was, and more surprising, is not Steph Curry breaking the the three-point record, which was held by Kobe Bryant and Danielle Marshall, (laughs) along with Steph, who all had 12 to this point. Danielle Marshall did it with uh, the Raptors as a substitute. He came off the bench to hit 12 threes. But Curry's surprise was going 0 for 10 in the game before this against the Lakers. He missed all 10 of his three-point attempts. And I think that's more surprising than him breaking the record because at, at, at some point in Curry's career, a guy who's hit 402 three-pointers last season, the man who has gone double-digit in threes more than anyone else in history, eventually he was going to break this record. But we should give him some credit because the Warriors, for all their problems so far, there's, there had to be a pecking order worked out here. Kevin Durant is your best player. Stephen Curry is your best shooter. Clay Thompson is your second best shooter. But we've seen that Durant's averages, points-wise, they've gone up since Oklahoma, uh, compared to last season in Oklahoma. Curry's and Clay Thompson's have gone down, but their shot attempts are pretty much the same. So there's been some seeding towards Kevin Durant earlier in the season. To this point, Curry hadn't got 30 points, and he goes off against the Pelicans. 46 points, 13 three-pointers. He had to remind everyone, probably, that he was still, <laughs> still there. You know, hi guys, this has all been about Durant recently. I'm Steph Curry, I'm the reigning two-time MVP. And it was a it was a marvellous showcase with shooting. And I think we need to give them credit because we're saying that the current NBA era is more about the three-point line. So it, the three-point shot, sorry. So if, if we had Reggie Miller, we had Larry Bird, if we had Ray Allen still playing, then, you know, they would get these numbers easily. But that's not true. They are making these shots nowadays. Steph Curry... Most of those 13 threes the other night, they were shots that no one else would take. He has the green light on a road no one else would travel down if he starts hitting threes. And that's exactly what happened here. Uh, Steph's streak of 157 straight games hitting a three ended against the Lakers. 196 straight games if you include the postseason. So he averaged nearly four. He averaged 4.4 threes a game for nearly two years. No other NBA player in history, has ever averaged four threes a game. So the streak ended, and he started another one with 13. Quite incredible. So it's guest time on the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle. Marek Larwood joins us. Comedian, Sixers fan. Should I put that as Sixers fan first? Maybe he should put that first on his CV. I don't know. Sixers fan, Dodgers fan, Lions fan. We're going to get to all of that. We're going to get to comedy, YouTube, the sport he invented, Wolfsball, and why it's called Wolfsball. He's not German, and much more. Let's get to it. Back on the US Sports Podcast with Marek Larwood, undisclosed location in Muswell Hill. We won't give it away. He's a funny man. He's a Detroit Lions fan. How's it going? Well, it's, it's my house. <laughs> it sounds a lot more, or my flat, rather. Uh, it sounds a lot more sinister when you said undisclosed location. <laughs> You've taken me so to what, some... Is he in prison or something? <laughs> I must apologise now that I've, I've got a curse of builders that wherever I live within one month people will start building and they're building at the back of my house and the front of my house so apologies have you asked for the building to come to your are you, are you getting any work done 
No, it, it always happens as soon as I've finished work and I'm un- unemployed at the moment. Well, I say unemployed. You're a freelancer. Freelancer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the, obviously, the builders come. Anyway, we're not here to talk about building work. Who wants to talk about that? We are. Let's talk about your lines first before we get into yeah. everything else. Um, Calvin Johnson's retired. I think it's helped Matthew Stafford, but you're still a 500 ball club, pretty much. Now, there's, a, there's talk... Uh, halfway through the 2006 season about Stafford being an MVP and suddenly he's this hot quarterback mm. I always thought he was brilliant I don't know why it just seems to be the NFL you have a few weeks out throwing an in- interception then you become the hyped quarterback like Carson Wentz was yeah. really overhyped after three games then they lost a couple and then suddenly there's a massive problem with him mm-hmm. that's ex- it's so extreme the, the opinion in the NFL but Stafford's always had the talent he's always been incredible I just think um, previously the Detroit Lions had uh, Jim Lombardi as their offensive coordinator, son of the mm. famous son or grandson, grandson of Vince. I can't remember. He's a relative anyway, which is probably why he ever got his job. And Stafford just didn't get on with him. And now they've got Jim Bob Cooter, who's a brilliant offensive coordinator, and they've clicked. And he's having to spread the ball around a lot more. Yeah, it's also that right. Like you don't have in your head, oh, I've got to get to Calvin. I've got to get to Calvin, and he's. He's he's looking around for Golden Tate. He's looking around for everyone else, and that's he's he's always had the options. But he's he has had the options. I mean, Golden Tate's been there for two or three years now, and that was the first time we really had the great second receiver because mm. it was pretty much Calvin Johnson, and there weren't that many. Uh, I mean, Brandon Pettigrew was all right. Now he's got Eric Ebron, who's coming to his own this year on tight end. Um, I love Golden Tate. Anquan Boldin. I think is a really unsung receiver. Good pickup. He's great, and he he does a he'll act like a tight end. He he'll block, putting amazing blocks. So he'll free up Marvin Jones with an amazing block. He's he's just a, a really good veteran, and I think you've got one of the best, the best receiving running back in Theo Riddick. Um, and previously, Reggie Bush was good, but not as good as a receiver as Theo Riddick. And I think he's having a spectacular season. But don't you think there's, some, there's something about Detroit Lions that? There's an ex- you got to the playoffs a couple of seasons ago I think you lost to Dallas if I'm right yeah yeah and that was a good team but there's always that thought in your head that, and I don't know what it's like for you because you are a Lions fan that you're not going to get too far does that make yeah, sense? yeah the worst can the, the t- it sums up with the, the Green Bay game last year where somehow the Lions will manage to screw something up <laughs> or there'll be some dodgy call mm. or something and it's quite the infamous game where um, Detroit are up by about 14 points with less than a minute to go, there's a dodgy face mask call, uh, Green Bay score, then and then Aaron Rodgers does the infamous Hail Mary and Detroit lose. That's typical. It's uh, we're the the Lions and the Browns <laughs> are the respective unlucky teams. And I think we had it worse in the early 2000s. And now the Browns are really sort of just getting. You've got a good quarterback, them. so you're you're competent. The Browns don't have anything. It seems. It's all the, uh, I think it's all the front office it makes a huge difference long term to a football team um, they sat uh, uh, I can't even remember his name the old president um, something Mayhew or something and they put, brought in Bob Quinn from the Patriots and the problem with Detroit is like with all the sort of teams like the Browns are the same they just don't handle the contracts properly and that comes back and it really hurts you we had Sue and we had Nick Fairley Great defensive players, really building that defensive line. They were not signed up on the con- 
contracts properly. They became too expensive. They couldn't afford them. Sue went, fairly went, and then they, they kept Johnson on. Turns out Johnson retires a year later. Mm. And they were, they were think people to build your defence around. And it's always been handled really badly, the contractual side. But uh, if you'd have given Sue that money that Miami did, it, he's not bringing anyone to the stadium and it hasn't exactly turned their fortunes around. But I wanted to also ask you what, what you thought when Johnson did retire. Did you think, okay, fair enough, he's thinking about his health, a lot of them don't, or were you more, okay, this is us, we're done? No, I thought I thought last season, some, he's been injured the last two or three years. Yeah. And last season, if you watched Detroit play every game, you knew there was something wrong with Johnson. Because the last four games of the season, they weren't even, he was still getting 100 yards because he's so good. But he was not getting targeted anywhere near the same way by Stafford. They used to, about three or four seasons ago, Matthew Stafford just chucked the ball up to him. Mm-hmm. There'd be so loads more long bombs. And the Detroit changed the game of playing more of a slant thing, spreading out to different wide receivers because Johnson was injured. And he was being slowly phased out. Or there was some major injury problem, which he didn't talk about at the end of last season. It was obvious in the way he was, wasn't was played yeah. in the same way he was before. And everyone talks about Johnson. Uh, but I, I wasn't particularly worried about uh, Johnson. I just hoped that that money was spent bolstering the defence. I think Marvin Jones is a good acquisition. But I think they should have maybe picked up a couple of improved the D a bit in free agency. But I think they're going to be a stronger, a stronger side in the future with the uh, the front office. That's pretty. I mean, if you're not a Detroit Lions fan, that's really boring. <laughs> yeah. no, for me, though, it's like because I think people understand that NFL fans that Lions had three comeback victories in a row, and then they beat the Washington last time. Then week yeah. eight, they go to Houston, a game they should probably win. Osweiler's not doing that well. And they lose. That's a game that if they want to be taken seriously, they they should win that. But well, it's, a, it's a defense was letting down. But this year is very weird because I think the quality of teams, yeah, the, the general quality is really low. Are you bored? Because the ratings are down. Are you, is, no, I think the game's you? been quite good. Really? But I'm surprised by um, uh, well, how I watched the American football is I put uh, my watching pattern is uh, Game Pass. Split screen, <laughs> lines on one screen, and red zone on the other screen. Right, so like I think reds, and then occasionally I watch the highlights. But red zone's just a naturally an, quite an exciting way to watch it. Um, I think the quality is definitely down this year. I mean, the Patriots just the primetime games have been pretty bad as well. Like Houston, Denver in the summer was it sounded good because Osweiler was coming back to play as our yeah, team. Yeah. That was terrible. Yeah. The Packers haven't been that great. Manning's retired. And I think Manning's retiring has been weird for Brady because he, it feels like he's on an island on his own at the moment like in terms of quality at quarterback. Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, Rodgers seems to have just mm. really hit a bit of a slump. The teams you thought were going to be the quality teams, i.e. Cardinals, Panthers, not playing the football you thought they were going to wear. That's because they're, they're attacking, you know... Um, Cam Newton and being playing rough with him, maybe Carlson Palmer's just gone behind it past his prime, but no one's really. You talk about the I can't believe you talk about the Vikings is one of the best teams with yeah. Sam Bradford, but then even they imploded against. No, the they Bears. lost a couple, yeah. yeah. And that's the week to week thing of the NFL. Why are you a Detroit fan? Um, I'm a Detroit fan because I like the colours. <laughs> no. It's back in the uh, uh, late eighties. And I, I like supporting teams that are a bit of the underdog teams, and they're—I rub- mean, they've been consistently rubbish for thirty years. You love so, it, and then you just love it. Barry uh, Barry Sanders came on the scene, and he was just absolutely 
incredible to watch. Really great. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you been to Detroit? Yeah, I went to uh, Ford Field three years ago. My friend's a Bills fan. So he went to uh, was it Ralph Thomas? What's it called? The Bills Stadium for a night game. Yeah, Ralph Thomas Stadium. It's against, not anymore, I don't think. Against Miami, which was amazing. That's cool. Apparently two people died after the game. Fights or? It was getting drunk and one got run over. Really? We saw someone at a fight in the stadium and someone get arrested and pulled out. It's amazing when he, when he sort of goes to how wet the Wembley games were because it was a night game. Everyone was absolutely hammered. Yeah. And there must have been loads of drunk driving because you've got to drive miles out to the stadium. It's not, nowhere near. And everyone was just getting pissed all day long. <laughs> and then the Detroit game was even weirder because that's Ford Field is... Uh, we stayed in Detroit for three or four days, and it. And ju- what's that like? First of all, uh, terrifying. Yeah, I've I've read a lot about that. You can hear gunshots in the background. <laughs> Where were you staying? We stayed in one of the casinos. It's mainly casinos. Yeah. And normally you think a casino is quite glamorous. It's just full of lots of poor people <laughs> at machines at tables, looking desperate, and the city's empty. There's no rush hour. We went on a tour. A, a, a drive, a driving tour around the city, and you know when you watch zombie films and you see bits where the where the moss and the grass is growing through the pavement, and you see people pushing a trolley along, looking. That's actually we saw that in real life. It's just um, it's the home of um, Ford Motors. They basically got their they all drive into work in this big building, and we went in there and just all, it's got all the shops and everything you need in this one building. Mm. And the cars just come in, all the rich affluent people drive straight to the working place and drive out. You walk around the whole of Detroit, there are less people than when you go on a country walk. But the stadium is one of the best stadiums I've ever been to. And my friend who's a big Arsenal fan, he's been to all the stadiums around the world, says so it's one of the best as well. When you were there though, did it feel like a football town or baseball town? you got the Tigers there? Yeah, it's next to where we were there... It, it didn't. I didn't really see too much Tiger stuff. It was having quite a good season at the time. Um, it's odd because the stadiums are literally either side of the road uh, mm. from each other. It's quite a lot of Lions. I think Lions fans are quite resigned to it. Um, I don't think there's enough people in central Detroit, really. <laughs> we met this bloke in a bar who just bought this flat and he showed you showed me this picture of this flat on his phone he just bought because he was getting pissed. He was so pleased. And I live in London where everything's half a million. And it was a two-bedroom two, it's a two bedroom flat in a really nice turnout. He said, I bought it for $7,000. Seriously? Yeah. There are places, these beautiful Gothic houses, just totally empty. It was just, uh, it was just so corrupt. All the mayor took all the money out of it. And, it, and it's na- now it's just coming back. But if you want a cheap house to buy, go to Detroit. <laughs> if you want to get killed... But then you go to everyone, because everyone drives so much there. He went to Ann Arbor, which is a neighbouring town, mm-hmm. which is the University of Michigan play there. And they've got a 110,000-seater stadium. Yeah, I think it's the second or third biggest stadium in the world. It's one of those. And the college football was a real eye-opener. I mean, you've been to some college games. Yeah, you? yeah. Do you insane. prefer those? But I didn't, I've not gone to a football game. I've done basketball. And I, I went to Gonzaga, and that was lively, to, to say the least. But I'm sure football, the bigger they get, does it not take away from the... Atmosphere. No, they've got uh, the one thing I would say about American sports: the bands are bands brilliant. Bands are insane, yeah. Because you know the bar. I hate the Barmy Army. <laughs> well, it's one man, one fat lad, and he's drum. It's, it's not- terrible. <laughs> Every time you watch an England game, it's just that in the background oh. for ninety minutes. Didn't they try and ban that? 
They should try and ban it. I hate it. Whereas the Americans, <laughs> they've got this incredible like, marching bands and the drumming, and, and they're playing. They're in in the college. They're in the actual crowd. You know. Yeah, they, yeah. So there's a big. They have a big section which is just for the college students. Yeah. And they're all there getting hammered, and the band are just playing sort of modern hits and just uh, Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. thing covers and. And the atmosphere is great. Well, the Ohio State marching band were in London last year. Oh, yeah. For Bill's Jags. And that was insane. Like, if you were high enough to see it, Corey Yeah, but I saw it. Yeah, yeah. So good. Mm. So good. What do you think of the London games this year? Because there's going to be four next year, and one of them Saints-Dolphins, which I'm a bit... If Drew Brees wasn't in that, I'd be a little bit meh. But I think the games this year were quite good. I'd be lucky this year. I think it'd been... I mean, the Washington game was great. Tied. But, yeah. Yeah. Um... I mean, who are the big... Th- I think it's really interesting point you're making. Are, are there any really great teams? I mean, the Seahawks a couple of years ago looked like they were going to be a big... Uh, like a dynasty. Yeah. And I still think they've got... I think they've made some mistakes in trade. Well, getting and, Jimmy... Jimmy, I forgot his name. Jimmy Graham. Yeah. I think that's hurt them because they had to lose some of their offensive line. And also, Wilson's banged up. But I think the Pats, before Brady came back, they still weren't sure what kind of team they were going to be. But I think they're the only team that you look at thinking you can you can guarantee on them every week. Yeah. Like the Vikings started unbeaten and they've lost two straight. The Eagles, Cowboys might be, Cowboys might be a good team. Oh, it's incredible, you know, without Romo as well. I really rate Romo. Um, but you think generally on this London thing, do you think it's a success going forward or is it going to be saturated in any way? It still seems to be selling out. I think it's selling. Out. That's, I mean, that's, that's why they bring in teams like Miami over. Yeah. Because Miami just no one's um, no one's interested in. And they've got a really bad fan base, haven't they? Really. <laughs> but the ja- the Jags have impressed. Like the fact that Alan Robinson, sorry, yeah, said uh, that the London fans are better than the Jacksonville fans after the recent loss. I think he was probably just peed off, but I think they they enjoy the experience more, and I think they're going to play two games here next year. I think it'll be really good to have a a London team in terms of them I found in the crowd the experience is a bit inane so I w- I'm a big Lions fan so lucky there were two games I went to one I didn't go to the, the, the one that got blown out by Kansas City mm. but I went to Falcons on which was a awesome. great, Matt great Prayer game hit the kick win yeah there was the, um, the last second win but you almost want there to be that it's such a nice atmosphere and it's support from loads of different teams mm. but I like it if there's a London team everyone could get behind and I think the atmosphere would be brilliant I think there are people would go mental yeah. because it doesn't sit when I was there as a Lions fan your team were playing and there's, sort of, there's no real Lions fans around you to have that atmosphere when it is your team to really want them to win because you know you sit next to some sort of Redskins fan or whatever yeah. well what I noticed this time was that Bengals had a lot of Americans come over here a lot of Bengals fans were in our section and Washington there was a ton of fans I think there was more Americans this time yeah I, I know when I went to the Steelers uh, Vikings game yeah. there were loads of Steelers fans from the States over well, just where I sit in mm. and I think it's, it's that thing for them for the Americans it's a great a great trip you know once every five years to go and see your team play in London and do it as, as a holiday so but uh, I looked at, I saw Goodell talk and he was just Still just quite wishy-washy, but more towards the positive. Okay. What do you think is going to happen then? I think we're going to have a team. Like, I I didn't think that a couple of years ago, but the more you see it, and if the NFL make money out of it, I think they're going to keep going. But I think at the start of all, you've got to get up to six, seven, eight games. 
And then I think yeah. the Jags will. I, the Jags seem like the team to come over because the fan base in Jacksonville hasn't. I know it's a young team. Yeah, but it hasn't grown too much. So but is that because can... they've been so bad? I mean, it's a certain thing about. That's what I'd worry about. Bortles isn't. Doesn't look like he's going to develop into that. No. Quarterback, and they've got. He's got the receiving core to. This. Well, know, they the find the offensive there. coordinator like that seems to be happening more, but. I don't know, like if the Jags are so bad and they come over here, then can we compete with Sunday night soccer here, Sunday night football? Yeah. You know, everyone people aren't just living in London that are gonna support the Jags, that's another problem. Like this is a London team. Yeah. So to rely on it I know it is only eight Sundays a year though, isn't it? So So who's your t- you're a Packers fan? No, I'm a neutral. You're giving away what I'm wearing now. Uh I just got loads of jumpers. You're absolutely neutral. I don't have a team, no. You've never been tempted. Nope. It's because I got into the NFL quite late. Like I played basketball. I had I was a Laker fan. Yeah. And that made me a Dodger fan. But NFL was so late to it. Really, I sixteen. I think I started following it. But I was same same in basketball. I was I used to play basketball nonstop and watch on TV uh, the NBA Jam session all that stuff. Did you watch uh, Mark Webster on Channel Five? Do you remember him? It, like, it was before. It was before o- that. Alton Burden, Kevin Cadle were the big uh, Cadle. Were the big. Uh, the um, uh, basketball people so I used to watch that and I never I never had a basketball team even though I love basketball Cause no, and then only in the last about five years ago three or maybe even three or four years ago I finally went oh, I'll go for the 76ers oh yeah you told me <laughs> <laughs> you really do like struggling teams and I, picked, and I picked my baseball team which I picked two years ago because uh, I thought I was oh. with Dodgers oh you are the Dodgers so yeah. we do share a team yeah, there you go. And so I've watched, so the, I've watched the Dodgers a lot this season. Yeah, you got into baseball. I remember you telling me like a year ago, and you actually do stay up and watch games. I can't do it with. Well, baseball. when I have insomnia, or if I wake up at four o'clock in the morning, I just start because there's also a baby next door that cries sometimes wakes me up. And the builder. Yeah, <laughs> so I just watch an hour or so. So I've watched quite a lot of the games. And you do. I like the slowness of baseball. It's got the feel of cricket to it. But what would you change about baseball? To make it more exciting, have you got any like quirky ideas, even for the NFL? Um, the baseball, it's the games. I mean, the the World Series and the Knockout Series are actually more exciting. Mm. So if I was doing baseball, I would do it rather than um, just on wins and losses. You just have it as you only get a point for each series you win. Right. So say I'm you're playing the. I see what you mean. Like a three game set. And yeah. You win two one. You get what three points and the other team gets yeah. one or zero yeah okay so you just have to win you you have to win a di- so each series you either win it or it's a, maybe it's a two game series or something but the kind of wild card game has really been a success I really yeah. like that because it's one game one and done but the weird thing about baseball is the season's so long and then you get to a one game playoff so then yeah. now they're already talking about giving the wild card a series like a best of five so yeah I think it feels a bit weird I mean you feel sorry for it's teams like uh, the Red Sox are really on form at the end of the season and then they just yeah, they just got swept and it normally has been the wildcard teams do quite well because there's that thing isn't there about having that week off where that ruins teams they lose that mindset to the teams that carry on playing they have too much of a big break it's fascinating but it's, uh, making each game worth a bit more but I do quite like this I like the fact that it's always there baseball first mm-hmm. of all it seems crazy every day yeah, yeah, yeah I, like I like that. the same team going out 
and you know and you get become attached to those players and there's some you like and some you hate like Corey Seager was brilliant this year um, look at you yeah analyst I've got a weird question right it's, I always think about this because I hate flying yeah um, you think about how many flights these teams go on yeah and how nothing ever happens am I weird to think about that or is that do you ever think like how the hell does nothing ever happen like the, I think the closest we ever came to losing a team was like the Lakers in like the 70s they're playing like had to land in a field somewhere and they were all... well Man, the Man United is the biggest one the Busby Babies is the yeah obviously United. in English football it's just it's, it, it makes me feel better about talking about flying because <laughs> you think how many times when you get on a plane how nervous you, you get you can boot it up in your head and think oh this is terrible because you know it's the thing about plane crashes if it goes down you know you're screwed <laughs> You can do that brace thing by the seat, but you're plummeting <laughs> down to earth about I love 300 that. miles an hour. Those uh, those videos at the start, everyone's so happy. Brace, brace. Yes, we're in. The tone of it is just not... Ref- it's the real big elephant in the room is that you definitely will die. <laughs> on that on that point then, you're a funny guy. Like If people listen to this podcast, you're not like a baseball analyst for Fox or anything. You are... A comedian by day. I mean, you'd be surprised in this <laughs> podcast that I'd ever written a joke in my. Uh, you actually had to remind people. You had to remind people that I was a comedian, not an. Uh, they'd be listening, thinking, "Well, he's just not. He's not good enough to be an analyst." I mean, it's just a normal. It's just someone off the street that Max has got, and he's getting people off the street. I'm desperate, man. <laughs> if someone says to you, "Tell me a joke." I don't really do. I, d- I did stand up for ages, and now I do, uh, for about six or seven years, and I was in a sketch group, and now I just do acting really and writing, because uh, when I did stand up, it's well that's all changed really. When I did stand up, it was mainly weirdos, and now it's sort of good-looking young men like Russell Howard. Yeah, the Russell. I used to, I went on tour with Russell. I supported him on on tour for ages when I first started out. He's really good though. Um, I used to play a character, do a character act where I once went along to see this stand-up night. And what happens is when you're doing stand-up, you go and try material out at, at small venues. Right. So they, in London, it's a perfect place because there's loads of pubs and they've always got these function rooms which aren't in use. So someone will run sort of a new comedy night and there'll be about 20 or 30 people there if that... Angel comedies. Yeah, one. yeah, that's yeah. a good one, yeah. And you go along and you just do try-out material. And one night I was there... And it was quite a quite sort of established comic stuff, trying stuff out. And occasionally you just get a bunch of lads. There was a bunch of football, just knobs came in, you know. <laughs> and they were just give, just talking. It was a terrible night. And then towards the end there was this bloke who was coming on to do his first ever gig in a really bad environment. I mean, normally it's quite friendly. This just wasn't friendly at all. And he went on and he just really uh, struggled and died but I noticed it was the first time there was silence in the room just this horrible car crash death (laughs) to silence but watching someone almost have a meltdown on stage so after that I thought I'm going to do an act on this so I used to do an act where I pretend it was my first ever gig and I was from a scheme called um, reach out but don't touch and basically I was just this converted sex offender who was trying to do stand up just to get people to be in his film and I'd pick in a couple and be really horrible to the bloke and try and flirt with the girl <laughs> so it was quite good fun but people that, what I enjoyed most was the very start of it 
people would think, oh, what's up in this bloke's just can't even talk properly, you know. <laughs> thought you were mental. Yeah. But then that works if you're doing the middle set in the, on a comedy night. When you're supporting Russell Howard and you're going to on front of a room of students who are there to see him and there's no compare, no one to bring you on, you've got to just go on first as this mental person. It didn't really work. What, yeah. what did Russell have to say about that? Do, do they care? The, the main act, do they care about how the crowd is before they go on? No, it's fine. They don't want, they don't want someone to, to really rip it, you know. It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't really supporting him on Twitter, it was supporting him on... Um, there used to be a university network of gigs, you see, where and my agency uh, had about 30 gigs on the university network because they're so tight with money. Mm. Rather than paying three people, they just pay two comics... And even if you were a character act, which you'd never go and put a character act straight on without any introduction, <laughs> you get put in a situation where you were just going, for that's my act. So yeah. it was quite interesting. But yeah, maybe I'll make a return to stand-up, I don't know. What, what? I, just, I just think it's a bit boring. Did you ever get, like, for me, I go to quite a lot of comedy nights, and the, mm. the work, I always say to my girlfriend, like, I, I don't want to go tonight because I really can't stand the silence. Like, when someone fails on stage, I, I, I feel so awkward, it's unreal. So I can't imagine for you, like, being behind the curtain waiting to go on and what that feels like. Well, I never really, I, I would just do more gags and more, um, that's why I hated it. I mean, it's horrible. And it's quite weird seeing people go on, especially before you, when you get to a high level, they're all quite much easier. Because I was in a sketch group called We Are Clang, and we did quite well uh, a few years ago. And we got to the level where people would come and see us. And it would just be easy because people would just be laughing at, and uh, people would seen you before and you'd get these fans come along. So when you have big TV comments going on, people really like them. Mm-hmm. They really think he's funny and I'm going to laugh at him. So it's much harder for them to die. Yeah. And the more people... People think I'd hate to be in front of a room of five hundred people, but that's a hundred times easier than being in a room of front of a room of ten people, mm-hmm. because you only need to make you know a third of those people to laugh, and then it's suddenly a lot no, you know the noisy and everyone feels not more comfortable, and no one's really self conscious. So comedy in small rooms is very difficult, I think, to work make work. Best heckle you've ever heard or had against you well, yeah, I think people were scared of me <laughs> I, come on, I can't wonder why I'm trying to think of what echoes I had just I think someone said I was shit once that was it <laughs> I got mean, someone called me I came on when I was doing my character and someone just shouted out paedophile literally within one second before he gone and then you just think there's, there's nothing you can do just go what and then they come and do and they think oh, well it's nothing what, what am I supposed to do do you think your voice helps you? Um, I think it does. Probably. I think yeah, when people sound, if people sound different and look a bit different, it might help them. I don't know, but I hated doing stand-up. I might have to go back to doing it. I mean, there's no work, Max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking of talking of no work, you've been uh, firing out the YouTube vlogs for quite a while now. What you've been going around London like it's like a tourist board. I yes. <laughs> well, I think. Um, it's really changing the way people know that you can, you can choose your own podcast you can choose what you listen to yeah. people don't watch TV there's a lot less money in TV comedy is just the same people over and over again um, so I thought oh, I'll go for this YouTube thing I'll try and make all these YouTube videos and do some vlogs which is basically me going to visit places and having a rubbish time 
but moderately successful. I mean, have a have a watch. Yeah, come on, give, it, <laughs> give us give us a plug. Go to just look at Merrick Larwood and watch my videos on YouTube. I just do comedy videos and sort of travel ish vlogs, and you you may well enjoy them. Have you been to the science museum yet? Yeah, I don't, have I done the science museum? Yes, I have done the science museum. Do you get some odd looks when you're walking around talking to yourself? Well, that's the thing. You've got to try and do it so no one's in the background. And if it's really busy for the kids, it's just all the foreign language students really annoy me. Cause they just walk around in massive groups and get in the background and just... Uh, talking Jimmy. languages we can't understand. But they never never enjoy themselves. I feel, I feel sorry for them in a way. You see all these school kids going around. I've never seen one of them show any interest in any museum. And I've probably been to all museums just literally groups of Spanish uh, tourists looking really pissed off what do you think about this whole generation of YouTubers and vloggers people getting successful on talking about makeup and what they do in a day and how many showers they take like does it annoy you that as TV work reduces you have to this is how you have to do it nowadays I think so I think it's always changing I think it's quite um, you sort of hope that the best stuff will get rise to the top, but maybe it doesn't. I think if you're in there first, it seems to be the amount of content and the regularity of content rather than the quality. Because it's, if you put stuff out there regularly, I think YouTube rewards you. It's all boring. It sort of pushes the stuff out there mm. that it, that come, that is regular. So they want they want people to make more and more content for them because they make more money. Yeah. So they reward the people who are making that content. That's what I've, that's what I've that's what I've discovered. <laughs> My favorite video you did was uh, how to lose weight, and you've had, <laughs> you wasn't it? You just put the dinner on the plate, and then you poured it in the bin, and there was a when you opened the fridge, there was a, basically a starving child in Africa there. <laughs> I've made. I looked up the ways. What most popular? So this is there's a whole cynical world of naming things and uh, making things sound different to get YouTube things it's all about what picture you put on there what the subject is if it's a how-to video so I worked out oh how, people look up how-to videos so I made these how to, to lose weight videos and all sorts of that and I spoke to my mate who did a review of his new barbecue he bought and that got about 6,000 <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do well I just went out and, and I reviewed my barbecue on my phone oh right that's got more <laughs> Yeah, it's done really well. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a star now. He's a star. You think I've been all this time making these videos, someone's <laughs> gone out in their back garden and just made a really shitty review of their barbecue. <laughs> My oh life is pointless. Yeah. Oh, God. You, but you did do something very honourable. You invented a sport. Now, this isn't, Amer- this isn't an American sport, but it could easily be played in America, so I'm going to bring it up anyway. I've, inven- I've invested... You've got a lot of I'm about two thousand pounds down. <laughs> How much money are you up? That's yeah. I've, I I I looked at. I'm a big American sports fan, and I thought surely I can invent a sport. I'm forty now, so most of my friends are sort of similar age or in late thirties. <coughs> invent a sport that people with no apparent skill can play <laughs> on a fairly level playing field. And there are no sports with three aside. Three aside, because you find that as you get older, or if you live in London, it's very difficult to get more than two people out. 
<laughs> yeah, and my fault as well. I still haven't played. So you've got to come down. I've got to. You come could down. be the dark, the dark horse. Um, <laughs> so what it is? It's a. I looked at sports. It's, it's a circular pitch. There's a triangular prism in the middle with a hoop at the top. People look at it and say it's like Quidditch. It's nothing like Quidditch. It's much better than that. Um, don't they don't hate on Quidditch. Uh, and and you throw the ball and have to hit the prism to get one point or kick it through to get. Uh, uh, sorry, throw it through to get a Wolfsball. Look at Wolfsball.com. But how, where did... Are you German? What Wolf? No, here's what happened was um, we were going to see the London Blitz American football team yeah. in Fringy Park play. And I was there with a couple of mates having a few beers and we were talking about uh, we need to invent, uh, invent a sport and so I'm going to invent a new sport. So yeah. I thought of new, a plan for this sport and we went for a, a beer afterwards and we were looking at websites on our phone ending in ball right for a name for this ball so we make up different names like prison ball or you know always odd names circle ball basically every single word ending in ball has been taken by you know some company even the code.co.uk so my friend of mine said just call it a weird name like a German name mm. I said what he could call it like the Wolfsball I went what he said Wolfsball so right, we'll call it the Wolfsball then and we looked it up and no one had taken it. And because it was such a weird name, you could get a domain for about £2. like it. And back then I thought, I was no way I was spending more than a £10. Two, £2 pounds is like the, the limit for you. And then suddenly you've really invested in it. Well, the problem was, is my dad is a bit of a, a mad inventor and he gets really carried away by ideas. So I was telling him, uh, I think it was a Sunday night, I was telling him about the sport that we just invented down the pub. And he was asking me about it, and I drew up some plans, and I sent a photo and sent it to him, described to him. The next day, you know, you get those emails, you know, that f- five hundred megabytes, whatever it is, a huge email with loads of attachment. I thought, oh god, what has he done? That day, he went down to B and Q, and he bought loads of wood, and he made the prototype of this thing. No way. And he said, I could, and, he, and I paid him again about hundred quid to do it. And he went back. This is the Christmas of two thousand and fourteen. We went back on Christmas Eve, I remember. It was me and my dad, who's nearly 70, my nephew, who's about 16, my brother, my other mate, his dad, who's 70, all in this uh, recreation ground on the Isle of Wight, in the middle of no one else there. Big day. Playing Wolfsball. And it worked. And then my dad said, oh, I think this actually works. So I can get someone to try a metal worker to make a metal prism. And um, he did that. And this bloke basically ripped off my dad, said it'd be 200 quid, then he said, oh, it's going to be 500, then it was 800, and then eventually it was £1,000 it cost me. £1,000? Yeah. It sounds like your dad could have made it. Not the metal one. No. I'll bring them in in a minute and show you them. I'll Please bring them do. through. So, but I, so I can't take you seriously sometimes, and I didn't know whether you were just having a bit of a laugh A lot of people it, thought you, it was a joke. Yeah. I did a, so I've, I've done the website, and I thought, foolishly for the start I'm going to do stats and make it like a big American website and then fantasy full sport yeah and all these um, a few a frisbee club from Ballam came this bloke from the Wirral who's got a team who came down and they got really into it and everyone really loved the stats said oh can you please do the stats so what what are the stats goals passes percentages points per game blocks interceptions so I have to watch this footage filmed on my phone and do the stats for it. Go to voiceball.com for one of the, probably one of the most comprehensive coverage of one of the least popular sports. It's like basketball reference almost. Yeah. So you're, you're pulling the stats out. 
so if, anyone, well. if anyone wants to play, um, no, because uh, if anyone wants to play baseball, or you want, I've got a shop, I've got merchandise, or buy a t-shirt. Can you buy those hats that make you look like you're ill? No, you can't. I mean, it's just, it's just. Uh, you can just get t-shirts and mugs. It was really bad to. Um, it was a really bad idea to get a mug. To get those mugs made. But definitely buy one. They're, they're, they're still in the in the room. Still over there. Um, the massive uh, crate over there. <laughs> you really do go all in. You've got to try these things, haven't you? But, yeah. Um, I think hopefully next year it will get more. It's gradually got more and more popular. There were ten teams this year, I think, and then next year hopefully more people will play. So will there be a World Cup? There has been a World Cup already. There has been a World Cup. Based well, I say on, a World based Cup. In it's, just, it's just it's just teams rather than it's not nationality based. It's just uh, like the Amer- it's the, the version of American World Cup where it's just American teams. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we must come and play, Max. I will. Um, wrapping up with NFL again. Yeah, I was asking people last Sunday at the Bengals Redskins game what they thought about Roger Goodell. Yeah, honestly, what what do you think about him? Do you trust the man? I think you've got to be. It's a weird role. Where you've got to sort of sit aside, be a sort of odd rule figure, you know. Some he's quite an odd man. He doesn't let his guard down at all. I feel as though I don't know anything. He can talk for five minutes about the future of American football in the UK, and I feel as if I maybe even know less than I did when he started yeah. talking. Yeah, it doesn't. He says a lot without saying anything in particular. So. Because the story's not changed, is it? The big, the big question is, when we're going to get a team over here, there's been no sort of game plan. There's been Yeah, but the, the other issues are like, why are we going to maybe go to 18 games? Josh Brown, the suspension, the Ray Rice thing. Like I, I do think that's... I, I do think that the play is... The Josh Brown thing is, should have been an immediate suspension. Six games, he made, he made the new rule and he didn't implement it. And, yeah. And then he did. It was... But then, then he's got this exempt list, so players can still get paid. So the, the problem is, is that, and this is a, a terrible thing to say, but a lot of the play, it's a violent game, yeah, and a lot of the players aren't very nice people. Yeah, they're violent people. Mm-hmm. I mean, to want to be an American football player, you've got to be, especially some of the uh, cornerbacks and safeties, and you're almost it's almost psychotic. You're literally throwing yourself helmet first, full blast into another person trying to take them down that person probably isn't going to be the same really I know they have to give out food to kids some of those people are going to be they're going to go mad crazy yeah yeah and that could have happened to Josh Brown yeah um, you've done Boris Johnson sketches yeah what about Donald Trump because I think he's provided material for almost everyone I think it's too, I think Boris Johnson was an easy target Trump's almost too easy the same thing with Boris Johnson. You've got these people, and you think, well, you've got to say something worse or something more comical than they do themselves. And Boris is already funny. Uh, Donald Trump, if, there's nothing you can really say that's more shocking than the stuff that mm. he says himself. We just put videos of him. I'd rather see a mashup of him than someone doing a Donald Trump impression. We just paint yourself orange and just put some straw on for a hair. But he's already doing. You, his hair already looks ridiculous. His face already looks ridiculous. So. What can you do, what can you do, Max? <laughs> there was a guy uh, at Wembley last week who had a he was a Redskins fan from America, so that's obviously one thing. The name, then he had a Trump 
uh, face mask on. Yeah. And he told me to vote for him on November 8th, so I think he went a bit mental, but I don't know, we shouldn't have let him in. I feel sorry for Redskins fans. What should it be? Red- Washington Warriors? Capitals. No, the, D- the, the DC Grudens. I like that one. DC Grudens. Yeah. I think the, it's, the whole World Series of the Indians, especially if they win, is going to really force a change. Yeah, it's game, as we speak, it'll be, when game we post seven. this next week, it'll be done, so... Indians is a great story. Everyone's on about the Cubs, but Cleveland's a great story too. Yeah, but I mean the two—they're the two outside of teams. You couldn't have picked two. That's like seeing the Browns and the Lions in the in the Super Bowl. Yeah, no one will watch that. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for your time. Thanks, Max. Good luck with it. Bye. <laughs> oh, he's a he's a funny man, old Mister Larwood. Uh, check out Volsfall. Go play. Um, I've got to do it soon. What did I learn today? I learned that the term Volsball and the sport that is Volsball was created in a pub over a few beers with some mates and the domain name was selected because every other word before the word ball is already taken. So there you go. Thanks for listening to today's show, the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle. You can find me on Audioboom. You can also find the show on iTunes and you can send me a message on Twitter at Max underscore Whittle. Until next time, Thanks for listening and have a good week.